Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu ta'ala wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudhillalah wa man yudhlil fala hadiyalah wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluh ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullaha حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وبعد Insha'Allah ta'ala, tonight we shall begin with this course of study of this great and monumental text, Al-Arba'oon lil-Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, the 40 hadith collected by Imam al-Nawawi. And this text is a great and noble text, no doubt, because of the subject of this text and what this text has collected. It has collected the statements, the actions of he who does not speak from his own accord. The Messenger of Allah, والسلام, the best statements of any human being ever uttered are those statements of Al-Mustafa. And this text, not only is it virtuous and not only does the merit that it holds because of the fact that it's a collection of ahadith, but Imam al-Nawi, what he has done here is he has collected from the thousands and thousands of ahadith that he had access to, selected from that 40 ahadith. And these 40 ahadith they are collective and comprehensive. They collect together those ahadith or those issues within these ahadith that are from the foundations of our deen. As the ulama they say, and as you'll come to know, jami'a li qawaid ad-deen. They are collective concerning the principles of the deen. The primary matters of your deen, you're going to find them in these Ahadith, these 40 noble prophetic ahadith. And therefore you find the ulama mentioning about the ahadith that are in this collection. For example, the deen of Islam revolves around this hadith. Among the ahadith that are, that are in here, scholars have mentioned about certain ahadith that are in here that Islam revolves around this hadith. Or Islam... Well, this hadith, it is a third of knowledge, or half of knowledge, or a quarter of knowledge. 
and so on and so forth. These ahadith, many a times you will find ulama, khutaba, scholars, teachers, people that deliver sermons. They will just use one of these ahadith. If a sheikh, he is requested to give a kalima, to give a, a reminder, then the sheikh, he will choose a hadith from these ahadith. Read the, hadith, read the hadith and then he will begin explaining the hadith and the benefits of the hadith and how this hadith, its benefits and its rulings they can be applied. The ulama, this is the attention that they give to this text. That if a shaykh is asked to give a kalima, to give a reminder, to give a word, then he will choose a hadith from this and then begin explaining it. His reminder is going to be based upon that. Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr Hafizahullah Ta'ala He is the son of the Shaykh whose commentary to Arba'in al-Nawawi we're going to be using. The Shaykh whose commentary we're going to be going through is Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. His son Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr he mentions that on an occasion he was delivering classes on Arba'in al-Nawi, on this text of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi. And he had placed a condition that the attendees have to memorize the mutton, have to memorize the hadith. So now a rajulun ammi, a general Joe as we might say, somebody, somebody that isn't an active talib al-ilm, but a general person, he wanted to join as well. So Shaykh Abdul Razak said to him that you can join but with the condition that the ahadith that you have missed so far, you memorize them. So he memorized them and then he joined. After he had uh, finished the study of these ahadith, he comes to the Shaykh and he says, Yeah, Shaykh, you know, I feel that I've become a scholar. Uh, he said, I feel as though I've become a scholar. He said, why? He said, no, he's, the man's just an, an amil, a laborer. Not a talib al-ilm, not somebody that is studying at the Islamic University or one of the, hmm, the, the ma'ahad in the haram, for example, the institute that you have in the haram in Medina. Just an amil, a laborer, and he joined these classes. He said, I feel as though I've become a scholar. Shaykh Abdul Razak said, why? He said, because now when I go back to my friends, not an issue arises, not an incident occurs, something haram has occurred, something that needs forbidding, except that I'm able to forbid that haram that has occurred, address that issue that has occurred, and I'm able to cite the evidence using the ahadith that are contained in Arba'in and Nawi. And I'm able to cite the Rawi, the narrator of the hadith, and the one that collected the hadith. So Shaykh Abdur, Abdur Razak al-Badr, al-Badr Hafizahullah Ta'ala, he mentioned to this, uh, to this man that right now you're still at the beginning of your, uh, see, your stages of seeking knowledge. But the point that he's trying to make is the great significance that this text has. Even people like myself and yourselves that are beginner students of knowledge, we, we study a mutton like this. No doubt you're going to find it to be beneficial in your day-to-day -day life, beneficial 
in your day-to-day -day interaction. Beneficial when enjoying the good and when forbidding the evil. As far as the um, explanation, as I've mentioned, that we're going to use, and that's the explanation of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abbad Hafizahullah Ta'ala. Before we commence, as is the etiquette, we'll have a, uh, a brief look at the lives, the lives of these two great and noble men. The life of the author of the text, Imam al-Nawawi, and a brief biography of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. As for Imam al-Nawawi, then, then we'll break down his brief biography, no doubt, into four parts. Number one, his name. Number two, his birthplace. Number three, his seeking of knowledge. And number four, his death. So number one, as far as his name is concerned, he is Yahya, the son of Sharaf. The son of Muri, the son of Hassan, the son of Hussein, the son of Muhammad, the son of Jum'ah, the son of Hizam, and Nawawi. That's his laqab. Al-Nawawi Thumma al-Dimishqi Then al-Dimishqi Because he lived in Damascus His kunya is Abu Zakaria His name is Yahya And his kunya is Abu Zakaria Even though he doesn't have a child called Zakaria But that is the custom that you find Amongst the Arabs The one that has a name by the name of Yahya then he gets the kunya Abu Zakariya. It's just a custom. Even though Imam Abu Imam, Imam Al-Nawi did not have a son by the name of Zakariya. He didn't have any children. But this is the custom of the Arabs. Ali, for example. Ali, the custom of the Arabs is that he's given the kunya Abu Al-Hassan. Ibrahim, the custom amongst the Arabs is that he's given the kunya Abu Khalil and so on and so forth. So this is just out of custom that he was given the kunya Abu Zakaria. There's a title that people used to give him. He didn't like this title. Does anybody know? Raise your hand if you know what this title is. Fadl Yaqi. Wahiddi. He didn't like this though. He didn't like it. He detested this title. Muhyiddin, what does it mean? Gives life to the deen. He didn't like this. Number one, because Allah says in the Quran, وَلَا تَزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَعْلَمُ بِمَنِ اتَّقَى Do not um, commend yourselves because Allah is the one that is most knowledgeable about who has piety of him. So out of this, he did not like for him to be called Muhyiddin, but these were terms that were that were used in his time. People would use these type of terms. Likewise, from the angle that the deen has already been given life to, and therefore nobody needs to come to give life to this deen. 
We have mujaddidun, revivers of the deen. Tayyib, as the far as the second matter is concerned, then that is concerning his birth. He was born in the year 631 Hijri, in the month of Muharram, in the town, the village of Nawa, which is on the outskirts of Damascus. Third matter, his seeking of knowledge. His father took the responsibility, as we all should, of our sons and our daughters, and not neglect the female ones from amongst our offspring. His father took on board the responsibility of teaching him and cultivating him and the responsibility of having him educated. And thus by the, before reaching the age of puberty, or once he had reached the age of puberty, he had memorized the whole of the Qur'an. Then in the year, because no doubt Noah, it's a small town where Imam Noah resided and was born and raised. So he, he gained the knowledge that he was able to, no doubt, in his hometown. But in the year 649 after Hijrah, when he was around 19 years of age, his father took him to Damascus, to Damascus, and he enrolled him in the madrasa. There were many madaris in Damascus. There were many institutes of learning in Damascus. He enrolled him in a madrasa known as al Madrasa Rawahiya, and there he remained for a period of time, I believe, two years, as a student. However. 12 lessons a day he would have when he was there. He wouldn't rest too much, but he would engage himself in lessons, reading books to the scholars in 12 different subjects. Fiqh, Hadith, Lugha, Nahu, Sarf, Usul al-Fiqh, Usul al-Deen, different subjects of the of the deen 12 subjects a day he would study person studies three and you finished here's imam manawi because of what allah had granted it granted him of having patience in seeking knowledge 12 lessons a day and then after that he continued in living in damascus as a teacher teaching in the various different institutions of Damascus and he was a man of piety as well he had a salary he was he was somebody that was entitled to a large large salary but he wouldn't use that salary for himself he'd use it upon and he would donate it and he would live off the food that his father would bring and clothes that his mother would sew a man of piety a man of zuhud of abstention so he lived in Damascus uh, for a period of, uh, uh, from what I recall, 20, mm, 22 years, 20, no, 25, over 25 years or so. Um, and then he went back, he went to Jerusalem, he went to Beit al-Maqdis uh, for, uh, for a visit, for any visitation. 
And then he came back to Noah. He came back to his hometown of Noah. And then in the house that he was born in, the house of his father, he passed away on the 24th of Rajab in the year 676 after Hijrah. Rahimahullah. That is as far as the biography of Imam Nawawi is concerned. As far as the biography of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al Abbad, just a brief biography of him. Biography that you can go back to, it's taken from the Sheikh's official website. So, as for the Sheikh, his name is Sheikh Al Allamah Al Muhaddith. Abdul Muhsin, the son of Hamad, the son of Abdul Abdul Muhsin, Al Abad Al Badr, Al Abad Al Badr, and he was born in the town of Zulfi, which is near Riyadh, in the year 1353 after Hijrah, and he, like all the other children went to the primary school in his town of Zulfi and then he joined the Ma'had uh, al-Ilmi, the Institute of Knowledge uh, in Riyadh and thereafter he joined the Kulyat al-Shari'a in Riyadh, the Faculty of Sharia, the Faculty of Islamic Law in Riyadh and then while he was in his um, last year in the Kulliya, in Riyadh, he, became, he was uh, given a job as a teacher in the Ma'ad al-Ilmi in Riyadh, in the Institute of Knowledge in Riyadh. So while he was still a student at university, in his final year he became a teacher. Uh, and thereafter, when the Islamic University was opened, uh, the Sheikh, when it was opened in the year... Th uh, 1381 uh, existed on the campus was Kulyat al-Shari'a the faculty of Sharia and then after a while Kulyat al-Da'wah was opened so Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad uh, he was the first to teach at the Kulyat uh, of al-Shari'a and then uh, soon, uh, soon he was appointed by royal decree from King Faisal rahimahullah as the vice president of the university. Who was the president of the university at the time? Sheikh bin Baz, uh, he is the one that... Uh, when he joined the university, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Sheikh, he, he was the president. Then at, then at that time, when he was chosen as the pre, uh, vice president, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, rahimahullah, he was the president and he was placed by the by the suggestions that Sheikh Abdul Aziz made concerning the people that can become vice president, King Faisal selected Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad.
But because Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Ubaz ta'ala, he was a head of several other boards and other councils and other institutes, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he took on board the role of developing the university. So two years after he became vice president, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he essentially took first command of the university. And that is when the master's program was opened at the university. The PhD program, Dirasat al-Uliya, the higher studies, those departments were opened. And that is when, under the supervision of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, the faculty of Hadith was opened, and the faculty of Qur'an was opened, and the faculty of Arabic language was opened. And uh, the Islamic University expanded physically greatly. I remember I once asked a, uh, an uncle that had graduated from the university probably before I was born. He came visiting his son because his son was studying at the university. He came visiting and he said, he mentioned, I said, uh, which buildings existed when you were here? He goes, these luxury hostels that you live in now, these didn't exist. We lived over there and near Kulita Da'wa. That is where, where our, um, our, يعني, our hostels were. And there was only this faculty in Kulit Al Sharia wasn't like it was today. Big Yani Imara Mufakhama. A big, nice, luxury, luxurious building. It was just a Imara Basita. It was a, a humble building. And so on and so forth. But the university, the way that you see it today, by way of YouTube and pictures and what have you, looks big and grand. It wasn't like that at that time when it was established it was very 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 humble and very 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 yani very humble and small we just started off with faculty of sharia i think the arabic institute for non-arabic speakers it was one teacher to all of the i don't know how many students there were but just one teacher now you have you know tens and tens if not maybe a hundred or so teachers teaching in the arabic institute so the point that we're trying to make here Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, the one who is the explainer of this text, he is the one under whose authority, under whose yani, guardianship and whose, under whose presidency of the university, it expanded and expanded uh, up until those faculties were, were established and then more international students they came. The Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, alongside him having taught at the Islamic University, he has likewise been teaching in the Haram for many years, many decades, teaching the Kutub al-Sitta, the six books of Hadith. And I think in my second year when I was there, he had completed after 25 years of having taught the six books of Hadith, he had completed all six books. And then he began afresh, teaching from Sahih al-Bukhari uh, afresh. And even when the Sheikh, he retired, the Sheikh, uh, he retired from the university officially from teaching at the Islamic University. Even after he had retired officially from teaching at the university, the Sheikh still continued. And as far as I'm aware, still continues. When I was there, he'd, he'd still see him 
coming to the university, or rather being taken to the university, because the sheikh he could just about walk. I don't think he can walk any longer. Perhaps he's in a in a wheelchair all the time. Then you'd see him in the wheelchair, but sometimes you might see him being taken by his grandson into the university or by one of the people into the university. But this was going back six, seven, eight years ago. So perhaps now he's totally uh, incapacitated in his chair. Likewise, his eyesight, extremely weak. Sometimes the microphone is right in front of the sheikh and the sheikh is, is doing this, trying to see where is the microphone. Because of his eyesight. But even in that state, the sheikh, he comes to the university for free to teach the people, the international students, and likewise those muwatinun, the Saudis that are living in Saudi Arabia, attending the Islamic University, teaching them for free. So after he's retired, he still continues to come to the university, teaching for free in his old age with all of those health problems, unable to walk properly, weak eyesight, and then in the evening, six days a week, teaching in the haram, teaching in the Prophet's masjid. In fact, those of you who have been on Umrah, you will have seen the biggest gathering of ilm that is occurring in the masjid. And Nabawi is the halaq, is the, uh, the circle of knowledge of a sheikh al-allama al-muhaddith Abdul Muhsin al-abbad hafizahullahu ta'ala so that is a brief biography of the two scholars imam al-nawi the author of the text and sheikh abdul muhsin al-abbad the one whose commentary we'll be going through um, in study of this text <coughs> how much time have we covered so far half an hour half an hour so today we'll just probably go through the muqaddimah the introduction of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad to the text and then next week insha'Allah we'll begin our study of the first hadith so Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad he says قال Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi muzil al-Ata wa musbigh al-Ni'm وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ذو الفضل والإحسان والجود والكرم وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله سيد العرب والعجم المخصوص من ربه بجوامع الكلم. So the Sheikh here he praises Allah subhanahu wa taala the one who generously generously confers his his blessings his يعني his gifts and his favors upon us the creation the one who showers his blessings showers his blessings upon whom upon us the creation and then the sheikh he bears witness that no god has the right of being worshipped except for allah alone without any partners he yani allah who is the possessor of bounty the possessor of goodness and kindness the possessor of generosity, the possessor of, no, of nobility. And then he bears witness, the Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, he bears witness that Muhammad, he is a slave of Allah and the final messenger of Allah. And that Muhammad, he is the chief of the Arab 
and the non-Arab. That Muhammad, he is the one that has been chosen and selected by Allah with jawami'il kalim, with brief and concise speech. Speech that is made up of a few words, but it carries great meaning, profound and, and, and great meaning. And then a Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he says, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak alayhi wa ala alihi wa ala alihi ahlil makarimi wa shiyam wa ala ashabihi masabihi al-duja wa al-dhulam al-lazina akramahumullah faja'alahum khayra ummatin hiya khayrul umam wa ala kulli man jaa'a wa ala kulli man jaa'a ba'dahum muqtafiyan atharahum وَقَدْ خَلَاقَ الْبُهُ مِنَ الْغِلِّ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَسَلِمٌ And Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abbad, he sends salah and salam and barakat upon the Messenger alayhi salatu wa salam and upon his family, his family who are possessors of noble deeds and of praiseworthy characteristics. And likewise upon his companions, Peace and blessings and salutations upon the companions of the, of the Messenger alayhi salatu Those companions who were by the permission of Allah, lanterns, lanterns that brought light to gloom and darkness by the permission and the leave of Allah jalla wa az. Those men and those women that Allah had honored and thus he made them. From the best ummah, he made them rather the best of nations. They are the best nation. And likewise, upon those people, salah and salam and barakat, upon those people who follow the footsteps of those companions, follows the guidelines, the footsteps of those noble companions, those people who have no form, whose heart is peace, is safe and secure from having any type of ill, feel, Ill feeling towards those companions. Amma ba'd, as to what is to proceed. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin, he says, فَإِنَّ مِنَ الْمَوْضُوعَاتَ الَّتِي أَلَّفَ فِيهَا الْعُلَمَاءِ فِي حَدِيثِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَحَدِيثَ الْأَرْبَعِينَ وَهِيَ جَمْعُ أَرْبَعِينَ حَدِيثًا مِنْ أَحَدِيثِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِحَدِيثٍ وَرَضَ فِي فَضْلِ حِفْظِ أَرْبَعِينَ حَدِيثًا مِنْ أَحَدِيثِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ Indeed, the, among those topics, among those subjects that the scholars of Islam have authored about, have written about, are Arba'een, 40 Ahadith, among those topics that the scholars, when writing about yani in the field of hadith is concerned among those topics that they have wrote about is arba'een 40 hadith meaning collecting 40 ahadith of the messenger alayhi salatu wassalam ulama from the earlier times to latter times till today even among the genres of hadith that they write concerning is collecting ahadith that are 40 or 40 or so in number 40 ahadith on specific topics 40 ahadith on this topic 40 ahadith on akhlaq 
with the ahadith on aqid and so on and so forth as we'll, as we'll soon come to come to see why why have they done this because Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad he said because as a result of a narration that has been attributed to the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam concerning the virtue of 40 hadith there are certain narrations about the virtue of 40 hadith ذكر النووي في مقدمة الأربعين في مقدمة الأربعين له وروده عن تسعة من أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سماهم وقال واتفق الحفاظ على أنه حديث ضعيف وإن كثرت طرقه So this hadith this hadith that some of the scholars have uh, it was a an, in, uh, an incentive and something that caused them to compile 40 ahadith this hadith that speaks about the virtue of 40 ahadith Imam al-Nawi he makes mention of this hadith in his introduction to Arba'in al-Nawi in his introduction to this text and he mentions that uh, this hadith has been mentioned, or these, 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 this hadith concerning the virtue of 40 hadith has been mentioned from nine companions. And then Imam al he cites these nine companions. But then after he cites them, he says that the hufad, the memorizers, meaning a category from the scholars of hadith, have mentioned or have agreed upon the fact that this hadith is weak. This hadith upon the basis of which certain scholars have compiled 40 ahadith this hadith that speaks about the virtue of compile of of 40 ahadith this hadith however is is weak but then imam al he says or rather sheikh abdul muhsin al abad he says وذكر ان اعتماده في تاليف الاربعين ليس عليه بل على احاديث اخرى مثل قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم لَيُبَلِّغَ الشَّاهِدْ مِنْكُمَ الْغَائِبِ وَقَوْلُهُ نَظَّرَ اللَّهُ إِمْرَأً سَمِعَ مَقَالَتِي فَوَعَاهَا الْحَدِيثِ Imam al-Nawi, however, he has compiled 40 ahadith. However, he himself did not make the basis of him compiling 40 ahadith, that weak narration, that narration that is weak, agreed upon its weakness. It speaks about the virtue of 40 ahadith. Imam al nawi he didn't base his collection of 40 ahadith on that narration. Rather, he based his collection of 40 ahadith upon other authentic narrations. Narrations that are general about the virtue of hadith, about the virtue of memorizing a hadith about the virtue of conveying a hadith such as the narration let the one that is present amongst you convey to the one that is absent a general hadith this was one of those hadith that was the basis for Imam al-Nawawi to collect this compilation of 40 or for example the narration where the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he said 
May Allah brighten the face, illuminate the face of the one who hears a statement of mine and he retains it and then he conveys it just as good as he had retained it or just, uh, just as good as he had heard it. So these are the ahadith upon the basis of which Imam Nawi collected his, his collection of 40 or so ahadith. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abad, he then says, وَذَكَرَ ثَلَاثَةَ عَشَرٍ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ أَلَّفُوا فِي الْأَرْبَعِينَ أَوَّلُهُمْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنِ الْمُبَارَكِ وَآخِرُهُمْ أَبُوْ بَكَرَ الْبَيْهَقِي Imam al-Nawi, he then makes a mention of the fact in his muqaddimah, in his introduction to Arba'een, 13 different scholars that have authored on the topic of Arba'een, meaning they have collected 40, 40 ahadith. So he makes a mention of 13 scholars. The first of them is Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, rahimahullah, who was from the Tabi'een. And the last of the list that Imam al-Nawi cites, the last from that list is Abu Bakr al-Bayhaqi. And then after he cites these three, 13 different scholars that have collected 40 ahadith, Imam al-Nawi, he says, وَخَلَائِقٌ لَا يُحْصَوْنَ مِنَ الْمُتَقَدِّمِينَ وَالْمُتَأَخِّرِينَ And then likewise, a great amount of other scholars from the earlier scholars and the latter-day scholars that have likewise collected 40 ahadith, meaning it's not just these 13 uh, scholars that I've made, made a mention of that have collected 40 ahadith, many others from the earlier scholars to the later-day scholars from, to the time of Imam al-Nawi, even up until today, we find ulama writing a, writing a book which is a collection of 40 ahadith concerning a specific topic. You might find a scholar, he collects 40 ahadith concerning uh, uh, the manhaj of Ahlul Hadith. Or he collects 40 ahadith concerning etiquette. 40 ahadith concerning manhaj in da'wah. 40 ahadith concerning and so on and so forth. Then after that, Imam al-Nawi, he says, Imam al-Nawi, he says, ثُمَّ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَنْ جَمَعَ الْأَرْبَعِينَ فِي أُسُورِ الدِّينَ وَبَعْضُهُمْ فِي الْفُرُوعِ وَبَعْضُهُمْ فِي الْجِهَادِ وَبَعْضُهُمْ فِي الزُّهُدِ وَبَعْضُهُمْ فِي الْآدَابِ وَبَعْضُهُمْ فِي الْخُطُبِ وَكُلُّهَا مَقَاصِدٌ صَالِحَةٌ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَنْ قَاصِدِيهَا He then says, Amongst the scholars, as we've already mentioned, are those scholars that authored and collected 40 ahadith on the topic of usul al-deen, the fundamentals of your deen, the foundations of your deen, those matters that are the principles of your deen, not the furur of your deen, not the subsidiary issues of, the, of your deen. For example, subsidiary issues of your deen, could be those ahkam that are related to talaq, those ahkam that are related to nikah, those ahkam that are related to uh, salah and zakah and so on and so on and so forth. Those rulings that are related to the matters of fiqh, but the fundamentals of your deen, your aqidah, your creed, your manhaj, your methodology, methodology in giving da'wah, methodology 
in advising the rulers. These are from the fundamentals of your deen, fundamentals of Islam. No valid, no room for a difference of opinion in that regard. The methodology in dealing with people of innovation and so on and so forth. So these are the fundamentals of your deen. So some of the scholars compile 40 ahadith that are on the subject of usul al-deen. Some of them on subsidiary matters of the deen. Some of them on jihad. Some of them on zuhd, abstention from the dunya. Some of them on adab, on mannerisms. Some of the ulama have gathered 40 ahadith on the topic of sermons. And then Imam al he says, وَكُلُّهَا مَقَاسِدْ صَالِحَةً رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْ قَاسِدِيهَا وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ جَمْعَ أَرْبَعِينَ أَهَمْ مِنْ هَذَا كُلِّهِ He says all of these objectives that the scholars had in collecting 40 ahadith A scholar had an objective of collecting 40 ahadith on jihad Another had the objective of collecting 40 ahadith on on adab, another on fundamentals of deen, and so on and so forth. Imam al-Nawi, he says, all of these are maqasid saliha, good, righteous, good objectives, good and righteous aims and objectives. May Allah be pleased and qasidiha. May Allah be pleased concerning those who intended these good and and, and, and lofty objectives. And then he says, And I saw that I should gather together 40 ahadith that are more important than all of these others, these others, these other topics. So Imam al Nawi, he is saying that I'm going to, I, I thought that I should author and I should compile 40 ahadith that are very important. These 40 ahadith are extremely important and their importance is even more than those other collections. This collection here is more important than those, than those other collections. Why? Why is it more important? Because these 40 ahadith aren't concerning a specific topic, but it's the whole of the deen. As we mentioned earlier at the beginning of today's, of today's sitting, these 40 ahadith, the ulama they say, Jami'ah liqawa'id al-deen. They are collective concerning the fundamentals of our deen, the principles of our deen. Tawheed, sunnah, ikhlas, manhaj, it's all in there. It's all found in there. So then, no, therefore, no doubt, these ahadith, they are more important than those isolated topics but the point the point that we're trying to highlight here is what the statement that Imam An-Nawi makes first he says all of those objectives that those other scholars had in authoring 40 ahadith concerning specific topics all of them were good righteous Objectives. May Allah be pleased with those men that had those objectives. Why is he saying this? Out of adab, out of manners, for those that came before him, for those that preceded him, 
that it isn't because I have some big ego and I am authoring a book which is obviously because of its content more important than those other books that were isolated as far as their topics are concerned. Not because I'm wanting to compete with them and say, no, 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 no. Out of adab, he makes praise of those who came before them. Why? Because this is the way of the people of knowledge, that they speak well of the ulama, and they speak well of those that have preceded them from the people of knowledge. For that reason, Imam al-Nawi, he speaks of them in such a high manner, and he makes praise of them in this manner. Then Imam al-Nawi, he says, وَكُلُّ حَدِيثٍ مِنْهَا قَاعِدَةٌ عَظِيمًا مِنْ قَوَاعِدِ الدِّينِ قَدْ وَصَفَهُ الْعُلَمَاءِ بِأَنَّ مَدَارَ الْإِسْلَامِ عَلَيْهِ أَوْ هُوَ نِصْفُ الْإِسْلَامِ أَوْ ثُلُثُهُ أَوْ نَحْهُ ذَلِكَ So as we've mentioned previously, Imam al-Nawi, he says here, that every single hadith that I've gathered in this collection of mine is a principle from the principles of the deen. And that hadith, any hadith that you find in this collection, the ulama, they, 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 will, they will have made mention of it. They will have described it either to be that the, is, that the deen of Islam revolves around it. So a hadith you may find in here, one of the scholars or some of the scholars may have said about that particular hadith, the deen of Islam revolves around this particular hadith. Imam al-Nawi has collected a hadith concerning which some of the scholars have made this type of statement that the deen of Islam revolves around this hadith. Or you, may, or, or you may find a hadith in this collection concerning which the scholars may have said this hadith is a third of Islam, this hadith is half of Islam, and so on and so forth. Then Imam al-Nawi, he says, ثُمَّ إِلْتَزَمْتُ فِي هَذِهِ الْأَرْبَعِينَ أَن تَكُونَ صَحِيحًا وَمُعْظَمُهَا فِي صَحِيحَيِ الْبُخَارِ وَمُسْلِمِ وَأَذْكُرُهَا مَحْظُوفَةَ الْأَسَانِيدِ لِيَسْهَلَ حِفْظُهُمَا وَيَعُمُّ الْإِنْتِفَاعُ بِهَا إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ Then Imam al-Nawi, he says, that I, in this collection of mine, I adhered to ensuring that the ahadith are sahiha, they are of the grade of being sahih. And the vast majority of the ahadith in here, they are found in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And I cite those ahadith, I cite those narrations, without the actual chain of narration. If you want to know the chain of narration, obviously you can go back to the actual masadir, the sources. The actual books that were the collection within which those ahadith were recorded. Like al-Bukhari wa Muslim. But Imam Nawi, he's saying in this collection he has deleted the chain of narration. Why? So that memorizing the ahadith and benefiting from the ahadith can be easier because the purpose of it is to study the hadith and to benefit and to memorize the hadith as far as the study of the chains of narration is concerned. Then that is when a person studies those, those usul, those actual uh, masadir, the sources from which those ahadith are derived. As for this, then this is concerning memorizing those ahadith and studying the benefits that are derived from this ahadith. Then uh, Imam al-Nawi, he says, وَيَنْبَغِي لِكُلِّ رَاغِبٍ فِي الْآخِرَةِ أَنْ يَعْرِفْ هَذِهِ الْأَحَدِيثِ لِمَا اشْتَمَلَتْ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْمُهِمَّاتِ وَاحْتَوَتْ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ التَّنْبِيهِ عَلَى جَمِيعِ الطَّاعَاتِ وَذَلِكَ ظَاهِرٌ لِمَنْ تَدَبَّرَهُ 
advice from this Imam that it is necessary, it is binding, it is necessary and binding upon every single one who is raghib for the afterlife. Who is raghib for the afterlife. He has raghba for the afterlife. Raghba meaning having ardent desire, uh, zealous for the afterlife. Somebody that has raghba for the afterlife. And I hope that every single one of us here has raghba for the afterlife because, because that, is the, that is the real life and the true life. Imam Manawi, he says, it is necessary and binding for every single person that has this zeal for the afterlife that he knows these ahadith. Why? Because of the important matters that these ahadith contain and what these ahadith have what they consist of of cautioning us and making us aware of as far as all of the matters of ta'at and obedience are concerned and this will become apparent to whoever reflects over these ahadith it will become apparent to you when you reflect over these ahadith that these are extremely important and they consist of important matters and they make you alert concerning those matters that we need to be aware of from the acts of obedience. And then in conclusion to this muqaddimah, to this introduction, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he says, وَالْأَحَدِيثَ الَّتِي جَمَعَهَا أَنَّوَوِي رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ إِثْنَانِ وَأَرْبَعُونَ حَدِيثًا قَدْ أَطْرَقَ عَلَيْهَا أَرْبَعِينَ تَغْلِيبًا مَعَ حَذْ فِي الْكَسْرِ الزَّائِدِ وَقَدْ رُزِقَ هَذَا الْكِتَابِ لِلنَّوَوِي مع كتابه رياض الصالح مع كتابه رياض الصالحين القبول عند الناس وحصل اشتهارهما والعناية بهما وأول كتاب ينقضح في الأذهان يرشد المبتدئون في الحديث إليه هذه الأربعين للإمام النووي رحمه الله. So Imam Nawawi he has in fact not collected forty hadith. But he has actually collected how many ahadith? 42 ahadith. But as is the custom of the Arab, the ulama, rounding off a number, deleting the extras, the extra units that you may have in there, rounding it off here, rounding it off to the nearest 10. So therefore, for that reason, they call it 40 ahadith, even, even though it's 42. And this book, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, he said, this book has been provided with from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been provided with great receipt from the Ummah of Islam this book alongside his other book Riyad al-Salihin which is a book of Raqaiq which is a book that everybody would have heard of a book on heart softness and mannerisms and so on and so forth Imam al-Nawi's 40 hadith and his other book, Riyadh al-Salihin, have been wi widely accepted by the people. Widely accepted by the people. Ahl al-Sunnah. And even Ahl al-Bid'ah, you'll find many of them, they accept these books. Not a yani, masjid will you find on the most part, except it will have Riyadh al-Salihin. Not a house from the Muslimun, that are Multazimun, Mutadayyinun, religious Muslims. Will you find... 
except that on the most part they'll have this book Riyad al-Salihin or Arba'in al-Nawi there. Rather even Ahlul Bid'ah. Ahlul Bid'ah obviously in our lands, in Britain, in America, Pakistan, India, those lands that are non-Arab. In those lands, yes, they will teach books of Bid'ah that are 80% nothing but fabricated ahadith in there. Why? Because the people that they're reading those ahadith to, on the most part, they don't have a clue. They don't know which hadith is authentic, which is not authentic, what is Bukhari, what is Muslim. They don't know. So in those countries, you might find some of the people teaching books that are 80% fabricated ahadith. But those very same sects and those very same groups and parties from Ahlul Bid'ah, people of innovation, you'll find that very same group, if it's in the land of the Arab, or more specifically in the Mamlaka, in Saudi Arabia, they're not going to teach that book. Because everybody's going to say, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Somebody was making tawaf, and then a hand popped out, and it slapped a woman's ankle. Yani, these are certain ahadith that are contained within some of these books of Ahlul Bid'ah. But they won't teach these books in Saudi Arabia, for example. Why? Because people, the Ami, the General Joe, the 10, 12, 13 year old, he'll say, yani, salamat, yani, you know, are you okay? What do you mean? This, this cannot be a hadith. So for that reason, they teach, they use the book Riyadh al-Salihin. They use the book Riyadh al-Salihin in some of the lands of the Arab. Ahlul Bid'ah, people of innovation. However, they don't use their books. They use the books of Riyadh al-Salihin. Uh, in there, in the halaqat. The point that we're trying to make here is that these books of Imam al-Nawi, Riyadh al-Salihin, Arba'in al-Nawi, has been accepted by the people. Has been accepted by the people, even some of, some of the people from Ahl al-Bid'ah. And the first book that comes to mind when the beginner, student of knowledge, is directed to seeking hadith, is this book here, Arba'in al-Nawi. You ask a sheikh, Ya sheikh, which book shall I begin with in memorizing, in studying, in hadith? He'll say, Arba'in nawi 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi. Then Sheikh Abdul Mahsin al-Abbad, he says, وَقَدْ زَادَ إِبْنُ الرَّجَبَ الْحَنْبَلِي رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهَا ثَمَانِيَةَ أَحَدِيثِ مِنْ جَوَامِعِ الْكَلِمِ فَأَكْمَلَ بِهَا الْعِدَّةِ خَمْسِينَ وَشَرَحَهَا بِكِتَابٍ سَمَّاهُ جَامِعِ الْعُلُومِ وَالْحِكَمْ في شرح خمسين حديثا من جوامع الكلم. شيخ عبد المحسن he mentions the fact that Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali he then came on later and he supplemented these forty-two hadith with another eight hadith. Eight, because remember it's forty-two hadith that are in the collection. So he supplemented, supplemented it with another eight, making how many? Fifty. So at least nobody got a D in the GCSE maths. Then, eh? Yes, 50, 42 had eight equals 50. Yeah, on. 50 ahadith. This uh, collection of Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali is a collection of 50 ahadith. And then sh Imam Rajab al-Hanbali, not only did he collect uh, not, only, not only did he make this collection of 42 ahadith in addition and, and then added eight other ahadith, but then he made a sharh, he made a commentary, he made an explanation of those 50 ahadith, 
and he named it Jami' al-Ulumi wal-Hikam fi sharhi khamsina hadith min jawami' al-Kalim yani a collection of sciences and a collection of ulum which is the plural, plural of knowledge and hikam which is a plural of wisdom an explanation of 50 hadith that are from the concise speech yani the concise speech of the messenger Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad he then says وَقَدْ كَثُرَتْ شُرُوحُ الْأَرْبَعِينَ لِلْإِمَامِ النَّوْوِي وَفِيهَا الْمُخْتَصَرْ وَالْمُطَوَّلْ وَأَوْسَعُهَا وَأَوْسَعُ شُرُوحِهَا شَرْحُ إِبْنُ رَجَبَ الْحَنْبَلِي رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ شَرْحَ هَذِهِ الْأَرْبَعِينَ مَعَ زِيَادَةِ بِنْ رَجَبَ شَرْحًا مُتَوَسِّطًا قَرِيبًا مِنَ الْإِخْتِصَارِ يَشْتَمِلُ شَرْحَ كُلِّ حَدِيثٍ عَلَى فَقَرَاتٍ وَفِي خِتَامِهِ ذِكْرُ شَيْءٍ مِمَّا يُسْتَفَادُ مِنَ الْحَدِيثِ Many shuruhat of it have been authored. Many commentaries, many explanations of this great and noble book of hadith have been authored. Some of them are extensive and in-depth. And some of them are brief and concise. And I have authored one, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. He says, I, have, uh, I saw that I should author an explanation of not just the 42 ahadith of Imam al-Nawawi, but the whole 50 ahadith that were يعني, uh, collected by Imam al-Nawi and Imam ibn Rajab uh, together. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin's sharh, however, is not highly advanced. Neither is it absolutely basic. Yani somebody just newly comes to Islam, or for example, those that are studying Arabic, you may find some of these ahadith that are found in the curriculum that is taught at the Arabic University, uh, the Arabiya, uh, the Institute of Arabic Language at the Islamic University of Medina. Part of the curriculum are 40 ahadith. A lot of uh, those ahadith you'll find in the 40 ahadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And if you look at the explanation of those ahadith, very brief. And likewise, when we were in the Arabic Institute, the teachers would give very, very brief, brief explanations. So the point is, it's not this explanation that you're going to go through of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad isn't extremely brief for someone that is new to Islam or somebody that is an absolute beginner. But obviously, neither is it something that is highly advanced, but like an intermediate level. And as far as the size of it is concerned, then it is, as you can see, if I hold it up here, you can see, I don't know if anybody else has got a copy. Yeah? It's quite small. If you compare it to here, Sheikh, Abdel, uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Saleh al-Uthaymeens, it's almost double the size. So, uh, the Sharh of Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, it's not too lengthy and too detailed and too يعني, in-depth and, and thus it may become uh, too academic for some, but neither is it too, too basic. Mutawasit, intermediate as far as the level is concerned, but brief as far as you can see, the actual explanation is concerned. And what Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad has done here is that the explanation for each hadith has been divided into, divided into faqarat, divided into paragraphs and numbered. So each paragraph has been itemized. And then the last point of explanation are the benefits, a summary of the benefits in point form of the actual hadith. Okay? 
And this makes it easier for us to now study this book. Why? Because before the actual explanation of the hadith begins, you already know how many parts this hadith's explanation is divided into. And that helps retention. It's from the sunnah as well. The Messenger ﷺ, he himself would do this. He would mention that such and such a thing is of this many numbers and they are such and such and such and such. Why? Because that helps. Well, as soon as a person knows that uh, such and such a thing is categorized into five categories, okay, there's five categories that I need to learn. And it also fine-tunes your, att your attention. You know, there's five points I'm going to hear. The person that is speaking is about to deliver five points. So naturally, naturally you become a bit more attentive. The Messenger والسلام, he would say, for example, ثَلَاثٌ مَنْ كُنَّ فِيهِ وَجَدَ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِيمَانِ Three things, whoever they are found in, that person will taste the sweetness of Iman. And then the Messenger mentions them. سَبْعٌ يَظِلُّهُمُ اللَّهِ فِي ظِلِّهِ يَوْمَ لَا ظِلَّ إِلَّا ظِلُّهُ Seven people that Allah shall shade on a day in which there shall be no shade except His shade. And the Messenger mentioned to us those seven categories of people. So this is from the Sunnah. And therefore, Shaykh Abdul Mahsin al-Abbad, he has made it easier for myself and easier for yourselves in studying this commentary in that the Hadith, its commentary is divided and he tells us it's divided into this many categories. Those categories are numbered. And then at the end, the points, the beneficial points that can be derived from the Hadith and from the explanation, they are mentioned in point format. And then Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad, he mentions that he has used the explanations of uh, the explanations of Imam al-Nawawi, the explanation of Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, the explanation of Ibn Rajab, and the explanation of Ibn Uthaymeen, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Saleh al-Uthaymeen, the well-known scholar uh, of our time. Uh, he has used their explanations in his own explanation here. And likewise, he's used the explanation of Imam Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, who explained Sahih al-Bukhari, and he named his explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari as, who can tell me, anybody besides Adam. Anybody besides Akh? What's the explanation of Imam Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani's uh, explanation of uh, Sahih Al-Bukhari? There's a title that he gave to it. What's it called? What's the title of Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani's explanation of Sahih Al-Bukhari? Fathul Bari. Barakallahu Feekum. And, and then in conclusion, Shaykh Abdul Mahsin al-Abbad, he mentions the fact that he's named this book and he mentions the title of the book, Fath al-Qawil Mateen fi Sharh al-Arba'in wa Tatimmat al-Khamsin lil-Nawi wa bin Rajab rahimahullah. And then Shaykh Abdul Mahsin al-Abbad, he advises, he says, in conclusion to his muqaddimah, he says, وَإِنِّي أُوصِي طَلَبَةَ الْعِلْمِ بِحِفْذِ هَذِهِ الْأَحَدِيثِ الْخَمْسِينِ Indeed, I advise and I encourage and counsel the seekers of Islamic knowledge to memorize these 50 ahadith الَّتِي هِيَ مِنْ جَوَامِعِي كَلِمِ الرَّسُولِ الْكَرِيمِ عَلَيْهِ أَفْضَلُ الصَّلَاةِ وَأَتِمِّ التَّسْلِيمِ Those 50 ahadith that are from those concise words, those concise statements of the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام and then he makes dua وَأَسْأَلُ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ 
أن ينفع بهذا الشرح كما نفع بأصله إنه سميع مجيب He says I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he allows this work this explanation to be beneficial just like the original text was beneficial indeed Allah he is the one that hears and he is the one that answers the dua wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala abdihi wa nabihi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in so that is the end of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad's explanation or rather his muqaddimah his introduction to Imam al-Nawi's 40 hadith so far today we have only covered a brief very very brief biography of Imam al-Nawi just to acquaint us with who he is and a very very brief biography of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad just to acquaint us with who this Shaykh is and the caliber of these two men and just a muqaddimah just the introduction of this of this book uh, inshallah ta'ala the intention is to keep our sittings brief I think today we've gone perhaps past an hour but the intention is to keep these sittings brief 40 45 minutes or so uh, in order to make sure that we retain what we learn rather than amassing a lot of information but then it's not retained by by the next lesson so it's better that we cover small amounts of information but then retain it and digest it so that we can build upon it in the next lesson. So inshallah ta'ala next lesson will be shorter than today. Uh, Wallahu ta'ala a'alamu sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.